When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 196 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. And I'm Justin Swanson. It's the final episode in our series of opponent previews. Today, Justin talks with Ryan Burns, Gophers publisher for 247 Sports, about Nebraska's Black Friday matchup with Minnesota. Wait, is that right? Not Iowa? Yes, Minnesota. That's right, Mike. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website for their latest deals. That's cnbuffalo.com. Also brought to you by Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know someone who does? Hit up Monty at 402-770-3356. So yeah, 12, uh, 12 interviews straight. We've, uh, we've been going nonstop since May, I guess. Wow. And uh, it's fun to be able to publish this, this 12th one. Punctuate it with an exclamation point. Uh, it's kind of funny, too, that right as we get done with this 12th episode, I feel like any day now they're going to announce a new schedule. <laughs> for the so fall. some of these games will still be relevant. Yeah, I mean, the non-conference games are out the window. But, yeah, Minnesota's fun to talk to Ryan Burns again. Gosh, I think it's our third or fourth year talking to Ryan. Um, Ryan is always really fun to talk to. He's got a lot of energy, and as he mentions in the interview, he is one of the few year-round go for beat reporters. Um, So like, you know, like he's in the know Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, not to steal his thunder, but he talks about when he was um, with, with the team in uh, before their bowl game against Auburn last, last December, they, they, uh, he was on a whole bunch of Auburn radio shows because there's just not that many people doing what he does. So, um, so that's cool. He's a great guy just because he's, he, he is in the know. He also being like Minnesota based, um, just has great relationships with a lot of high school coaches. So um, we did talk a little bit about JD Spielman. Oh, okay. So stay Should tuned be for interesting. that. Yeah, yeah. A little, little teaser there, Justin. Mike's like, Ooh, I'm excited to edit this one. <laughs> so yeah. I guess uh, not much more to say than uh, let's uh, let's roll that tape. Yeah, let's do it. We're excited to have Ryan Burns back on the show. Ryan is the publisher for the Gophers 247 sports page. Ryan, welcome back to the show. I appreciate it. Uh, I think this is, what is this, year three, year four? Yeah, it's something like that. I'm just kind of looking back through notes here. We've, we've kind of had a lot of our Big Ten West uh, opponents, beat reporters on consecutively. And it's, I feel like it's, it's, really, it's really fun to circle back with people you know. And actually, that's how I, where I kind of want to start is I feel like the last time we talked, before the last season, uh, Nebraska was being picked by the media narrowly to be the Big Ten West favorite. 
And you were really high on Minnesota. And I, I don't, I hope I wasn't condescending during that conversation. Maybe in my, mm-hmm. mentally I was, but I didn't, I didn't buy it. And I felt like there was this, I feel like we reached a level where I was like, Minnesota fans, they're not, they're serious. Like nobody's laughing at PJ right now. Like they're behind him. And then, you know, they went out and went nine and zero with uh, beating number four Penn State. And uh, so anyway, what, t- tell me about this, this season, that season. And I don't know, it's dream season for a while there. Yeah, first time Minnesota wins double-digit games in a long, long time. Their first 11-win season in over 100 years now. I remember coming on this podcast late last summer, and I remember being high on Minnesota. And then the month of September, I can assure you, they scared the living living bleep out of me, considering they had to come back against Georgia Southern, Fresno State. They were on the ropes against South Dakota State for a while, and I was like, this isn't the team that I had envisioned having this defensively and and everything like that. And then the month of October hit and the offense just took it to another level. I mean, they were the second best offense in the big 10 behind only Ohio state and mm-hmm. Tanner Morgan goes from not even really being the favorite to win the quarterback job. Zach Annick said the other quarterback went down the third day of fall camp. Tanner ascends into that position and he ends up throwing for 30 touchdowns and Minnesota wins games against Penn state and Auburn two top 10 victories for the first time in many, many, many years, certainly my lifetime. Hmm. It just really all came together for Minnesota where they had the best quarterback play in my entire life. And then, you know, I'm only 27. So I've seen a lot of mediocre go football. <laughs> okay. The first one to tell you that it's been incredibly mediocre or bad for very, very large stretches of my life. And that's where Tanner Morgan's season was absolutely without question to me, the best to go for quarterback has played in a long time. And then it helps when you have two NFL receivers, including yeah. returning now for 2020 Big Ten Receiver of the Year, Rashad Bateman. And then defensively, they did enough to where if your offense is going to be scoring 28, 31, 35 points a game in Big Ten play, I don't have to tell you you're going to win a lot of football games if you're going to be scoring that amount of points in the Big Ten. So it all really just kind of came together for Minnesota now. They obviously couldn't get over the hump with losses against Iowa and Wisconsin, and that's the next step for them. But I think it showed a lot of people across the Big Ten and across the country that P.J. Fleck isn't all just talk. He actually is getting some results as well. Yeah, that uh, 38-17 to loss against Wisconsin, that was the – I don't want to sound disrespectful. Was that, was that competitive? Was it a close loss where they pulled away, or I just don't remember? No, I mean Minnesota took the early lead on the double move by Bateman, and, and that was the that was the game for the Big Ten West College Game Day was there for the first time. Oh, that's right, yeah. Minnesota history, and then Wisconsin just frankly out game plan Minnesota, and hmm. it always seems to be as well when Wisconsin plays Minnesota, their quarterback has the game of his life, as long as his name isn't Alex Hornibrook. <sighs> the Wisconsin quarterback just plays at a level only seen by Justin Fields. And he was hitting Quintess Cephas all over the field. He was making throws, pressure in his face. And Wisconsin asserted their dominance over Minnesota again. So Minnesota actually took the early lead. But then from essentially that late first quarter until early fourth quarter was all the Badgers. And and the, the crazy thing is when Jonathan Taylor played Minnesota, he never did anything. He really didn't. I mean, he had like an empty 23 for 90-something and a touchdown maybe. But considering the prolific career he had there, Minnesota always did well with essentially shutting him down. It was just the Wisconsin quarterback play 
that came into uh, to really fruition there. And then Minnesota's offense couldn't really get it going against Wisconsin's front seven. And then you have photos of the ax chopping down the goalposts, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I can assure you Gopher fans love to uh, – <laughs> to see Wisconsin do that at the TCF Bank Stadium. Well, to to go back to focusing on the positive uh, of the 2019 season, I mean, it was, there were some hair-raising wins with South Dakota State. I don't know if Husker fans remember, 28-21, Fresno State, double overtime, 38-35, and then Georgia Southern, 35-32, and then Purdue, 38-31. So nothing really that, no, no solid victories. And then uh, end of September at Purdue, 38-31, another touchdown uh, victory. Um, finally, going uh, hosting Illinois, you have your first resounding victory, 40-17. to And then the Minnesota really took it to Nebraska, 34-7. to um, As I recall, as I reflect on that game, I feel like Nebraska had some opportunities in the first half to score. Uh, I don't know if we were in the red zone or, or near it, and just did not put points on the board when we had the opportunity. And then – um, things just kind of slipped away and it kind of became like a, a snowball that was unstoppable towards the end. Um, was that a pivot point for the season? I think it was one of them. I mean, you go back to that Minnesota-Nebraska game, as you mentioned. I mean, first drive of the game, Nebraska gets the ball and they go for it fourth and short in Minnesota territory and they don't convert. Second drive of the game for Nebraska's offense, they get it to the Minnesota 38. They don't get any points there where Minnesota – you know, they're able to do some different things offensively. And I think that's where you saw the defense really for the first time really put it together. Um, I mean, you look back through it. I mean, you mentioned it. They played well against Illinois, only letting up 17 points. But it was that Nebraska game where they really came out and they really played well. That go for defense, that being allow 17 points to Illinois, only seven to Nebraska, only seven to Rutgers, only 10 to Maryland, and that's where the entire month of October, Minnesota's offense was at a, a different level with 40, 34, 42, 52 points. And if your defense is only allowing, on average, 10, 10 or 14 points a game, like I said earlier, you're going to win a lot of football games. But that was really where Minnesota's running offense really found it. And that's where the offensive line, of which I think had really been struggling in the month of September, they were breaking in some new starters. They were really trying to find some continuity, really trying to figure out what were the different calls up front to make sure that everybody gets blocked because the month of September, Tanner Morgan really didn't have a clean pocket. But I think that Nebraska game really just set the tone for Minnesota and saying, if we want to be a legitimate Big Ten, when Big Ten West contender, I, again, I remember going into that night game because it was, a, I think it was a Saturday night game in Minneapolis that, that was the talk in the press box was, is Minnesota for real? Because as you mentioned, they had had a lot of close games early. Yes, you beat Illinois, but the fighting Lovey Smiths, I think, are a perennially <laughs> mediocre team, which, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a Big Ten West writer for a different school, I'm okay with that, considering I think the school I cover is probably going to be beating Illinois a lot more if Lovey Smith continues to stay there. But it was is this the time where Minnesota can actually stand up in a big, at the time, a big home game, Minnesota 5-0, and Nebraska coming to town, and they really put it down. And that's where I think you kind of saw momentum really start to build for Minnesota in that month of October. On the flip side, I think it was an inflection point to the negative for Nebraska. I mean, we you start off with a win and then a really gut-busting loss uh, in overtime at Colorado. 
um, a couple of wins, including the come from behind game versus Illinois, which I think could have set a positive tone, but then we just got eviscerated by Ohio state um, struggle with Northwestern and, and come in to Minnesota at four and two. I mean, so a, a winning season certainly still on the table. You got Minnesota, then Indiana, then Purdue. Uh, uh, those were all very winnable games, I think from Nebraska fans perspective and, and the team's perspective. And then just to get, uh, manhandled and kind of fundamentally beaten, beaten at fundamentals, uh, I feel like in terms of uh, just basic blocking and tackling um, yeah. there, your Minnesota's offensive line taking advantage of, you know, maybe less than stellar linebacker play. Um, I think that's a tone. And so then you f- following that 34 to seven beat down Huskers lose close one in Indiana, close one Purdue um, Wisconsin games competitive, but it's a loss. You, have a brief high, uh, brief moment of happiness with the win in Maryland and then um, a close loss to Iowa. So, um, so yeah, I will, I will say that for a team that didn't go to a bowl game that the, uh, the Auburn game was maybe one of the more gratifying bowl games to watch this last season. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, I was down there in Tampa and I can assure you from just talking to different, Auburn media members are just doing radio spots with different audit Auburn uh, personnel. I mean, that's one of the perks, I guess, of, of this job is there's not a lot of go for football year round media members, considering, mm. as I mentioned earlier, how mediocre to <laughs> yeah. bad they've been. Yeah. So when you're the, one of the only ones in town, you get to hear a lot of Auburn perspectives from different radio personalities. And I can assure you, I mean, they thought it was going to be an easy two touchdown win. No way Minnesota is going to block Derek Brown. Uh, Bo Nix is going to be the next reincarnation of, I mean, pick your first round quarterback and Minnesota's offensive and defensive lines really came to play and Minnesota ran for twice as many yards on Auburn as they really had allowed all season long. And they just, Minnesota under PJ Fleck just has seemed to play well in bowl games. And I don't know if it's just having the extra time to prepare for it, Fleck being the motivational guy that he is, getting the team up for it, but Having, you know, especially the way that that game ended, for those of you who don't remember, uh, Minnesota essentially had a, an eight, nine-minute drive in the fourth quarter against Auburn to seal the game away. And just seeing that, you know, it's the good old-fashioned Big Ten football. Minnesota mm-hmm. really didn't do anything other than run the ball and run their RPO offense, and it was 10, 12 plays really to, to milk it away. And it was just physicality at the line of scrimmage, and I know that's something that Minnesota was very accustomed to and their fans were with their offensive line play for the most part in 2019. And that's the nice part where you look at for Minnesota's outlook for 2020, their entire offensive line returns plus their sixth starter who filled in for an injured guy against Nebraska last year. So you have an entire offensive line coming back. You have your second team, all big 10 quarterback coming back. It's hard to not be optimistic about what this Gopher team could potentially do if there is a season here in 2020. Yeah. Okay, well, so you you kind of got us going there towards towards 2020. Um, did you have any spring games to or spring practices to to watch? Well, the funny thing is, uh, I actually got one. I got to go to one okay. practice, and so I got three spring practices in. And then at the final one I was at, they canceled it, I believe, the day after because of COVID and everything that went on with that. So they got three spring practices in with a brand new offensive coordinator because Minnesota's former offensive coordinator Kirk Sharaka right. went to Penn State. And, um, you know, it makes a lot of sense for him. I got the chance to know Kirk pretty well during his Minnesota time here. He's a Pennsylvania native. He grew up cheering for the Nittany Lions. 
<laughs> Plus, if you can get, you know, three, four, five thousand or three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars increased pay and salary. Yeah, I'd say you're probably going to take that more money closer to home. And he's got uh, some some elderly parents that aren't doing this so hot. So it yeah. makes a lot of sense for him to sure. uh, go to Penn State and sure. try to see if he can't take Penn State to the next level there and see if they can't challenge Ohio State. But that's where they have a new offensive coordinator in and Mike Sanford. Okay. So, um, so yeah, what sounds like uh, my kind of standard question here, strengths and weaknesses of the team sounds like offensive line and quarterback our strengths and uh, um, wide receiver. I mean, offense is a strength. Yeah. I'd say generally offense is a strength. You look at how many returning starters Minnesota has on their offense. You can say nine, you can say 10, depending on what you characterize Mo Ibrahim as. I think many Husker fans will remember Mo Ibrahim from last year's game where he scored three touchdowns against the Cornhuskers there. They do graduate Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks from their backfield. Those two accounted for, 66% 66% of the touches. So Minnesota is going to be breaking in some inexperienced running backs, but they have recruited well there, but they are going to be young. And then you do lose Tyler Johnson, the most prolific wide receiver in gopher football history in my mind. And he essentially holds, if he doesn't hold it, he is top two for essentially every receiving yards or receiving touchdowns or receptions record in golden gopher football history. But that's where you have Rashad Bateman coming back, the reigning big 10 receiver of the year. You have Tanner Morgan coming back, coming off arguably the best season, as I mentioned earlier, in 25, 30 years from a gopher quarterback. And I think maybe most importantly, in my eyes, you have all five slash six starters on your offensive line returning. Five of them, I believe four of them were all Big Ten honorable mention. One was third team in Blaze Andrews. And they're all, in theory, another year of experience under their belt, another year in the weight room. And that's where, that's why I'm, more bullish on this, I think, Minnesota offense than maybe some are. I don't expect Minnesota to, you know, maybe be able to replicate the amount of points they put up because Minnesota was just so dang efficient in the red zone all year long, getting six instead of three, and that really adds up at the end of the day. But this offense is absolutely a strength for all the reasons I mentioned there. And that's where I think it's going to be on Mike Sanford Jr., the former Notre Dame and Boise State and Utah State and Western Kentucky offensive coordinator to prove that I think folks forget just three, four, five years ago when he was at Notre Dame, he was arguably the hottest offensive coordinator mind or offensive coordinator name in the country. And that's why he got the Western Kentucky job job after Jeff Brom left at, I think, the age of 31, 32, 33. It obviously didn't go well there. He gets fired in his second year. He goes to work with Jordan Love out at Utah State last year. But I know P.J. Fleck had a lot of confidence in him, and Minnesota is really not going to revamp this entire offense. There's a reason they kept their entire offensive staff. I'd say you're probably going to see 80 85%, especially with the lack of an offseason here uh, for 2020. The offense stayed the same. Now, there are going to be some tweaks here and there. I think you're going to see Minnesota involve their tight ends a little bit more, considering they don't have that second alpha that Rashad Bateman was to Tyler Johnson. But for the large part, this offense is going to stay the same, and it's hard to not be optimistic about this offense being a strength. Do you have the same amount of optimism for the defense? <laughs> Genuine question. Not a loaded question. I really don't, just because, well, here's what I'll say. Minnesota loses seven starters defensively, uh, including All-American safety Antoine Winfield Jr., who single-handedly won games against Fresno State in back-to-back years with game-winning interceptions. He was – 
wow. everything his dad was. Um, because his dad, Antoine Winfield Sr., I think is probably my favorite Minnesota Viking of all time. Me being a Minnesota native, I got to watch him in his prime, just how how well he played as a nickel corner, how well he tackled, how much of a playmaker he was. And that's where it kind of surprised me out of high school how maybe under-recruited Antoine Winfield was. And, again, maybe pe- people will go and look up his profile and say, well, he had power five offers. Yeah, but I can I remember this recruiting story at the time, and many of them were committable. And that's where even Minnesota taking him back then, I know there were some on the Minnesota staff under Jerry Kill and Tracy Clays that were like, should we do this? Should we not? And at the end of the day, his bloodlines kind of were the big reason why they ended up sticking with him. And obviously for PJ Fleck, he's very glad that they did, but they lose seven starters that played a ton of snaps and four of them got drafted into the, and then the latest NFL draft here. And the question is, how does defensive coordinator Joe Rossi continue really getting this defense playing as well as they were? Because Minnesota's defense isn't incredibly, I guess, creative wouldn't be the right word because they are creative in spots. But what Minnesota's defense under Joe Rossi likes to do is say, we're not going to give up big plays. That's what they want you to drive eight plays, 10 plays, 12 plays down the field to get three or six points. They really don't want to be five plays, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Obviously, every defensive coordinator doesn't want that, but that's kind of why Minnesota's defense was so successful last year. And so it's going to be on – you're going to be breaking in brand-new linebackers that have some experience, but they graduate two guys in Kamal Martin and Thomas Barber that played a ton of snaps. Their nickel corner, Chris Williamson, drafted by the Giants, played a ton of snaps. Antoine Winfield, Carter Coughlin, they're replacing three starters on their defensive line. And so they're going to need this offense to put up points, especially yeah. I think in the early part of the season, because it's going to be a little bit of trial and error as Joe Rossi figures out what are the strengths of my defense is he didn't get that time in the spring to really see what are each of these new players, you know, these new starters strengths. So I can kind of fit the defense to their strengths. So that's what it's going to be is how long is it going to take for Minnesota's defense to get up to snuff? Well, and on top of that, you lose the, you know, the soft start of Florida Atlantic and Tennessee Tech. Uh, instead, <laughs> dive right in with Iowa, assuming you don't get something scheduled before that. So that's, that, that's an adjustment, too, for, with all those question marks. Yeah, and that's where, I mean, for me, I'm not as, you know, if it is the first game, if the schedule does kind of play out the way that it's still written on paper in terms of the Big Ten, I would really like to see Iowa come up to town and for Iowa to be breaking in a brand new quarterback and for him to come to TCF Bank Stadium now, I mean, say what you will about the fans or lack thereof in recent years when Husker fans have come up here. But I think just seeing what he brings to the table, whether it is Spencer Petrus or whether they go with a younger quarterback there, I mean, Iowa has really game planned against Minnesota well. I think if you go back and you watch that game between Minnesota and Iowa last year, Iowa took Minnesota to the shed um, schematically for the first 20 minutes of the game. And then for the final 40, Minnesota adjusted and really brought it back to Iowa, but they had some costly errors of which you can't make a Kinnick stadium to go there and win. And so, yes, it, I, I mean, especially because Iowa the week before was supposed to be playing Iowa state. Oh, sure. And it, it's a Friday it's game. Yeah. And that's where Minnesota the week before, was supposed to be playing the powerhouse that is the Tennessee Tech, I believe it's Golden Eagles. 
Okay. Uh, so you would have had Iowa on a short week coming off a tough game against Matt Campbell's squad. Well, now you're not going to get that. You yeah. Know what kind of adjustments anyone's going to make if it is that first game of the season. So, yeah, I mean, you still want those early season games. But if Iowa is the first game, I mean, I still think, uh, you know, Minnesota should be at least, you know, a two, a two, three point favorite. So, so looking at this schedule, you, you also lose what have, what would have been an interesting game against BYU. Um, so as it stands right now, you've, you've got Iowa uh, hosting Iowa, September 18th, going to Maryland, uh, October 3rd, going to Wisconsin, October 10th, hosting Michigan the 17th. That's a tough back-to-back deal. Uh, going to Illinois, October 24th, going to Michigan State, October 31st, home uh, with Purdue on the 7th, bye week, home with Northwestern on the 21st, and then uh, Nebraska coming here on uh, Black Friday. Um, and knowing that there'll be one other conference game added and assuming that we can stick with that, what 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 do you think is possible for, uh, for Minnesota with this schedule? Yeah, if they do keep it as played, I mean, that month of October is going to be brutal. It's mm-hmm. just going to be very brutal for Minnesota. They have uh, five games in the month of October and four of them are on the road. Now, many of them, there's going to be very limited to no fans at all. So I'm going to be very curious to see how much of a quote-unquote home field advantage is there. Hmm. If there's no, I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to feel like a scrimmage for many of these guys out there until they get adjusted. But I think expectations should be probably six or seven wins. And that's where there's just so many road games this year. I mean, Minnesota has five road games compared to only four home Big Ten games. And again, I understand that that's kind of the way it goes for for many Big Ten teams. But on the road at Wisconsin, um, on the road at Nebraska, yes, you do get Iowa and Michigan and Northwestern home. Because I think I'm, I'm, you know, we did a, a recent media poll among 24-7 Big Ten guys. And turns out I'm more bullish on Northwestern than the majority hmm. of Big Ten writers are. And that kind of surprised me just because I think you have Peyton Ramsey there at Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald always has that defense playing so well. Mm-hmm. And that's where Peyton Ramsey can elevate this offense. Just coach, I think Northwestern's probably going to surprise some people this year. But I think Minnesota, if things come together, I mean, they are obviously a Big Ten contender in terms of the Big Ten West. And for that to happen, you have to beat Iowa. You have to at least split between Iowa and Wisconsin. You have to go three and two in the month of October. And then you set yourself up for that November of Purdue at home, Northwestern at home, neither one of those teams, um, you know, in my mind, um, possess, you know, if you can put up 24 points on Northwestern, even with Peyton Ramsey as the quarterback, they still got a lot of pass catching issues there, especially with their top receiver transferring to Notre Dame. Yeah. And that's where it's going to come down to. I think that if Minnesota and Nebraska play and the schedule stays the status quo in that final game of the year, I think it's going to have a lot of big 10 West implications on the line now. I don't think necessarily for Nebraska. Okay. For Minnesota. And that's where I'm kind of curious to ask you. I mean, that same question would be, it's about as an easy of a start for Nebraska as you can ask with the Big Ten. If it stays as it is with Purdue, Northwestern, Illinois, and Rutgers. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't really ask for an easier way to try and break in Adrian Martinez to try and find him than that 2018 magic. But that final five-game stretch, man, 
Yeah. I mean, at Ohio State, you get Penn State at home, but then you're at Kinnick, at Cam Brandel the two weeks um, before the, the Minnesota game to end it. I mean, I, I just – that's brutal. I mean, so am I crazy for, like, if, if I set the over-under for Big Ten wins for Nebraska at four and a half, say, I mean, which side of that would you want? And are Because I think expectations should be around there for Husker fans, but you tell me what are expectations like for Nebraska if it is only a conference-only schedule? Well, I will say this, that as a uh, – I'll preface this by saying that we haven't done our full season preview episode, so this is not official. <laughs> I'm also, you know, we lose three, um, three non-conference games that all were interesting in their own way, um, and all presented opportunities for embarrassing losses. Or, you know, yeah, because Cincinnati is a pretty dang good team, obviously. Yeah, South and, Dakota State with Kate Johnson and the revenge narrative there, yeah. and South Dakota State just themselves is a pretty good. Missouri Valley team, and then you would more you would know more about the Central Michigan Chippewas than I would, but I could see why you would say that. Yeah, so so we lose what was kind of a stressful non-conference, you know, schedule. Um, I think hopefully we'll pick up an in light of our last five games. Hopefully we'll pick up an easier opponent um, from the East. You know, maybe Maryland is is something I've heard speculated. Um, so you know, I, I could see. Let's see, four and a half. So you're, you said four and a half. I'm looking – I feel like Purdue, Northwestern, Illinois, Rutgers could probably be – should be victories. And then I think people are pretty positive right now. You know, it's, this, it's the time of year where you have all these weight room videos getting posted, um, and it's hard not to get super jacked after seeing a bunch of those. Um, one of the most encouraging things that we've just seen chatter about on Twitter is that, yes, these guys are moving a lot of weight, also, these are bigger guys that Frost has brought in. Um, so there's some young, big guys on the line that we're eager to see make an impact and get us to a more Big Ten line caliber that we just haven't had. Bo didn't make that transition well, um, and that was I think that's what one of the reasons he's not here anymore. And Riley, Riley didn't even have like a full roster. Basically, I mean, he was so we were just under undersized and undermanned, not to say we shouldn't have won more in the past. I think we should have. Um, so I think people are high on where things are going. Losing J.D. Spielman really hurts. I'll be interested to hear some of your thoughts on that. Um, oh. oh, I can get into that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I'm, like, I'm excited to hear that. I mean, I, I don't have anything going on, so I'm happy to keep talking to you. You tell me when you need to go. Um, so I feel like we can beat four and a half just looking at Purdue Northwestern, Illinois Rutgers. I think if we get an easier team like Maryland, I think we can win that. And I think that we've got to win at least one of those games, Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota. I think – Would you say of that five, in your mind, what would you say the public's perception would be? I would imagine the public thinks Minnesota is the easiest of that five-game stretch considering Minnesota's at home, considering I I know many people aren't fans of P.J. Fleck down there. Um, but do you think the public and would you agree with the public in that Minnesota is probably the easiest game of that stretch? Um, you know, Iowa's breaking in a new quarterback. They lose a lot of skill. Whereas Minnesota returns like, you know, what you just said so much offensively. I think our defense can make some strides this year. I don't know. I'd say 
probably Minnesota and Iowa are the ones people are thinking would be the most winnable of those. We had some success against Wisconsin the last two years, just too many mistakes to actually translate that into wins. Um, I don't think after the last couple of Ohio state games, I don't think people just look at that game and think we just need to not get embarrassed. Um, Excuse me. After the last Ohio state game, the previous one actually was competitive. Uh, Penn state. We just, I, I don't know what to think. I mean, I talked to Audrey Snyder and, and they're really excited about Shiraka, um, and feel like that team might stick a small step back, but is still in really good shape. So, uh, I think we can beat your four and a half. And I think Minnesota and Iowa are the most likely wins in the last five games. I just, here's my thought process with, if it's, if, if I'm going to say it's not Minnesota is, just look at that. I mean, that final stretch. Yeah. I mean, for four straight weeks. We'll limp into the stadium that day. I mean, it's just like you're on the road for three of those four before the Gophers, and it's Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Penn State. Whereas you look at Minnesota in that same time frame. I mean, they have Purdue, Abide, and Northwestern. And, been, and <laughs> uh, Purdue and Northwestern are at home. And so if you're telling me who do I think is going to be the least banged up team and who do I think is going to be, you know, in theory, you know, Minnesota should have won three of their last four with Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan State, and Illinois. And I could tell you a plausible scenario where I don't think Minnesota or I don't think Nebraska is favored in any of those four games before. And so how banged up is Nebraska going to be? Yeah, and no, so it's, I, I, it's just, it's just, an, I think an interesting talking point. I will say, I would be absolutely gobsmacked if Bryce Benhart doesn't pan out for you guys. He is, I mean, I remember seeing him in high school hmm. and just the way, he, just his print, um, you know, his progression from his sophomore to his senior year. I mean, th- he was an absolute dude. I can tell you Minnesota cool. was not happy that he decided to go to Nebraska. And, you know, I guess they kind of got their trade with Avante Dickerson. <laughs> Hmm. And uh, everything that went on there. But Bryce Benhart, I'm telling you right now, if I can say anything, is he is going to be a stud. I don't know if it's going to be this year, if it's going to take one more year. But, I mean, I'd be hoodwinked just to – he is a very, very special talent to me. Okay. J.D., what what do you got to say? There's a reason that – and, again, I've talked with his former high school coaches. I've talked with other college coaches not just Minnesota coaches. It's just, I can assure you there's a reason that J.D. Spielman's not playing in the Big Ten. And oh. I can assure you it's not. I can, uh, I'll let you guess what side that came from in terms of help that was going to be needed to get that waiver through. And, again, you can think of what you will about, the you know, in theory on paper. And, again, I'm not – you know, Mark Emmert tried to change this rule. The NCAA guy and say, you can't block anybody. Well, when you're J.D. Spielman and you only have a few weeks to get cleared to play um, immediately, considering he couldn't sit out this year in redshirt um, because right. I believe he had any other years of eligibility left. Right. He was going to need help from both sides to get that waiver through. And, you know, I also thought it was funny that he chose TCU and, I know our TCU 24-7 guy wrote, you know, Minnesota didn't recruit him. Number one, that's not true. I can assure you Minnesota wanted him, but it just didn't work out with the logistics of it. And that Jerry Kill, who is now a special assistant former Minnesota coach, 
um, down there at TCU was credited as being the guy that wanted him when Jerry Kill didn't want, I shouldn't say didn't want, he was incredibly lukewarm on J.D. Spielman out of high school. Really? And he wasn't upset that he went to Nebraska. Now he leaves Nebraska. Isn't he like the all-time leading receiver? He would have been if he stayed. He was on track to be. Okay. And now he wants him at TCU. I just thought it was funny with the way everything went down there. But I will say, uh, no one here, again, from talking to J.D.'s high school coaches and talking to different college coaches who tried to recruit him and not just at Minnesota, um, they were all told. I, I mean, I talked to a couple of coaches at other Big Ten schools. They were told that J.D. ain't playing in the Big Ten. You make your inferences from there. And uh, Interesting. It worked out for the best down there at uh, TCU. Interesting. Cryptic. I will, I will not press further. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, I will say from my end, there's been all kinds of speculation about, um, comments from Frost after the Minnesota game, as a matter of fact, and hoodie comments. And I don't know, just throwing that out there. Um, yeah, I can assure you those didn't go over well. Yeah. Um, uh, you'd be shocked to know that, um, you know, Tyler Johnson was wearing a hoodie that night and really happened to, uh, yeah, I think Tyler Johnson was wearing a hoodie, I think. Or he's wearing the short sleeve hoodie anyway, but I gotta think that's one of those comments that Frost would like back. You know what? Again, this is me from a thirty thousand foot view who doesn't deal with Nebraska every day. I think Scott has made a few of those comments in his short time there that he would want back, but Well I don't know. I just I you tell me, again, this is just a Minnesota perspective of it. And I know kind of where our fan base, where their expectations are with Nebraska and everything. It's, you know, it is kind of a running joke up here. You know, is Nebraska going to be in the preseason top 25 again for the third straight year? And considering they haven't been to a bowl game under Scott Frost. And I just, I want to see Nebraska do something. Yeah. Before I kind of think that they're in that same tier as what Minnesota and Iowa and Wisconsin are right now, because I think those three teams are in a different tier than Nebraska. Sure. Um, That's fair. What, I mean, do you think that I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking at things through maroon and gold glasses? Because again, I understand that many Nebraska fans would probably say that, well, I want you to, I want to see you replicate the success you had last year. And I would say, I, I tell you, Minnesota is probably going to have a shot to do that in 2020, if there is a season and whatnot. But I just think with everything that Minnesota has returning, they have a much better shot to do that in Nebraska. No, I don't disagree with you about where Nebraska is. I have certainly not done anything for a long, long time. Right. And um, So as... if Nebraska goes four wins or five wins this year, and we get back on track in 2021 with a normal schedule, how, I guess my question to you would be, I mean, for me – It'd be year four of Scott Frost, and he has shown really nothing. Yeah. And my question would be, I mean, I know he was going to be, you know, the golden child down there, but if it is only four or five wins in 2020 with his abbreviated nine or ten game schedule, is he on the hot seat if that's the case for 2021? Well, he's not, and here's why. It was a seven-year contract that he got, and I think Riley tried to just kind of like go for it and make things happen right away. And – with the team that Bo had 
And the team that, especially the team that Riley left, this was not a job where you could just go for it. I do think for Austin Moose thought that they would have more wins last year. Um, but the things that they're trying to change are very much structural and in the background. So, I mean, strength and conditioning was just kind of abysmal at the end of the Riley year era. And, you know, some of the initial workouts the guys were doing, you know, the warmups were like making them vomit. Um, this is kind of party line stuff a little bit, but I do think that there is an understanding that it's a heavy lift to get this team from where it was to where it wants to be and that it's not something that happens quickly. Some, we had an exchange. I don't even remember who it was. It's just stuck out of my head on Twitter where um, someone was kind of mockingly saying, Hey, maybe Nebraska will go six and six this year. And my response was, Hey, it sounds like progress. And the amount of likes that stupid little response got was really telling to me that um, had we, I think Nebraska fans looked at that home stretch and of this season as well as the, you know, unnecessary, I don't know what's the word for it, frustratingly difficult non-conference, like sneaky difficult non-conference. And six wins was legit. Like that, I think six wins in the full 12-game schedule that we have planned out um, was okay. Now when you lose those three games and now you have another Big Ten game and like in the prospect of four or five wins, like sounds terrible. So I don't, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to wrestle with that for a while, but um, I don't think he's on the hot seat um, as long as there is more signs of growth and he has a long leash. I mean, they just announced last fall, this $155 million new complex to get us back on the footing. You know, Nebraska was often cutting edge in terms of facilities and things they were doing in their facilities. And we did a uh, a new addition 10 years ago and, and most Husker fans were shocked to realize in the last couple of years that it was no longer all that special. Um, it was, it was average. And so that's a huge project that Frost is kind of the face of. So there's a lot of big stuff that's been happening that you don't see results from quickly. And, um, and, and so there's changes. And I would even say like some of the comments, like the few limited media availability that Frost had before spring practice was canceled seemed to reveal maybe a little bit wiser, (laughs) more learned, still young head coach saying, you know, if I respond, he's saying like, if I respond to that question in this way, you guys are going to say, I'm saying we're winning the national championship. Like just a little bit more self-aware of the significance that his words carry. So, you know, he's learned on the fly um, or he's learned on the fly. I will also say that, Last offseason, the people voting Nebraska as potential Big Ten uh, West winners were usually not Nebraskan. I don't know if, if you disagree with that. That's kind of going back into feels like ancient history now. I just – if it, yeah, I mean, it may, I didn't look and see who was voting for Nebraska. Not, to be honest, I don't know. How much I think, like, one of – some ESPN talking head had us as a – as a um, dark horse for the college football playoff. And we're all like, what? <laughs> um, so I think we got Nebraska caught up a little bit a in that, run. but I don't know that it was driven by Nebraska fans. And that's where I think Nebraska kind of gets a bad rep for that in terms of, 
all right, every year in Nebraska, top 25. Oh, wait, they haven't proven anything in the last five, 10 years. We're really anxious to prove something. I will say that. This fan base, and I think this team, doesn't – it's actually – on social media, which is, you know, that really means nothing at the end of the day. But on social media, it was almost a joke how if anybody's tried to say something positive, they just got like beat down by like, no, we haven't proved anything. Stop it. It was almost a reaction to the last couple of years. And that's where I think like Minnesota fans are always up in arms about it because, you know, like that month of October last season, you know, all go for fans were high and mighty banging their chest saying, we want respect. We want respect or just even going into the last season, I think I laid out the case on the show was why Nebraska top 25 votes. When you look at everything that could go right for Minnesota, how easy the schedule was and you know, they still didn't get the respect. So I, again, I just think it's, I think it's interesting. I also have a question for you because I've seen a couple of your 2020 top rated recruits have already left. Yeah. Two of them. Two of is them. That, yeah. I, is that normal? <laughs> Well, um, we just ta- we just talked about this when we recorded on Sunday. Like it's alarming for one, but what we we're just curious to see like how much of this is going to happen across the country. Like how much of this is COVID? I hope it's I hope it's largely that. Like a couple of guys were like, "I'm really far from home." They came up here in January. They're from Florida. Um, I'm miserable now. There's a pandemic. I don't want to be here anymore. Um. I don't know. Frost has brought in a ton of guys. I mean, there's like 150 people on his football team. He has almost, it feels like he has as many or nearly as many walk-ons as he does uh, scholarship athletes. There's a ton of guys here. That's Um, that's, part of, part of the plan, I guess. And um, so I don't, you know, I don't know if, I don't know. I'd love to know more. I don't know when we'll know more or if we'll know more or if I'll have to talk to a, a Miami beat writer who's interviewed their high school coaches or something. Interesting. I just, again, I, I'm so, you know, I guess I shouldn't say removed from it because I deal with recruiting every single day. It's just, I don't, I don't think I've seen that before as having, I mean, it's not even fall camp yet. Yeah. And you have two of your, two of your top rated guys already leave. It's doesn't, just. Uh, doesn't feel good. No, I can imagine. Um, I got w- one more question. Um, we, uh, we talked to our friends from the eyes on big podcast earlier this off season, just in preparation to reach out to all y'all different, uh, Big Ten beat reporters, and they kind of gave us a few questions for each um, interview. Um, and their question was, do you think there could be a, a QB controversy? No. God, <laughs> I hope not. Um, and that, you know, it's a funny thing that, you, you know, they slash you asked me that is, I can tell you without a doubt, Zach Annick said going into the 2019 football season, had like a 60-40 lead over Tanner Morgan for the quarterback competition. And you know, just from talking with the guys on the offensive staff, I knew who, you know, the offensive coordinator wanted. I knew who the quarterback coach wanted to win it. And Zach goes down and Tanner obviously excels in his role for the next three months, but no, no way. I mean, as I mentioned, there's no way you can have Tanner Morgan have the best season in my lifetime and even talk about a quarterback controversy, especially considering Zach Anikstead doesn't get spring practice to get back up to speed and True. get yeah. back into, you know, it's going to be a full year since Zach Anikstead has had a full week of practice. I mean, think about that. Whereas I think with everything that Tanner showed last season, I would be, as I mentioned earlier, gobsmacked if there's a quarterback controversy. I, I would be just, I, we've asked PJ Fleck that 
and he kind of does, you know, it's competition at every spot on the roster. And it's just like, you kind of look at him and you raise your eyebrow and you go, really, you're telling me Tanner Morgan has any resemblance of competition now. Do I think Zach Anikstead or one of those guys could be a very adequate backup? Certainly. But this is Tanner Morgan's team. Okay. It's pretty definitive. Uh, I will leave it at that. Well, uh, Ryan, uh, gosh, always a pleasure. Always a highlight of the offseason talking to you. Where can our listeners um, read the uh, reporting that you're, you're putting out there or listen to the work that you're putting out? Yeah, they can check it out at gopherillustrated.com or you can put it into your Google machine or Bing machine, uh, Minnesota 24-7. Our site should pop up if you want to follow me on the Twitter machine, at Ryan Burns MN. Um, those are all the different places you can find me at. And you'll get to uh, follow me on the Twitter. You'll get a lot of Minnesota news. You'll get a lot of me complaining about a new house I bought and mm. all the joys of home ownership and how everything is. Yeah, well, thanks. But it's also like everything that you want to do or something happens to the house, it's like 500 or a grand. Yep. Trying to, uh, to find that money in the middle of a pandemic when you're a sports writer and you're not entirely sure if the sport that you cover is going to be having a season here in the next few weeks. It's a little, it's a little dicey. You know, maybe mm. I would have played things a little bit more safe ah. going back in hindsight. But uh, Ryan Burns, MN on the Twitter machine and then Minnesota 24-7 and Google. Well, I wish we, uh, I wish we had a more substantial honorarium budget, but uh, unfortunately, that line item's at zero again this year. So, <laughs> yeah, hate it when that happens. Shots. I know how the podcasting game goes. Yeah, so much money. All right, well, Ryan, thanks again. Great talking to you, and uh, I'll uh, look forward to following your tweets through, the se- through what is hopefully a season. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on once again. Yep. Bye. Thank you, Mr. Burns. That was excellent. Hey. See what I did there? Yes. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, no, that's was, that was fun. It's fun talking to Ryan. And actually, we, we chatted for a while after, uh, after we got done recording. Just a, just a good guy who knows a lot about uh, what's going on with Minnesota football and Big 12. Big, Big 12. Man. That's <laughs> How my many life. years in are we? <laughs> yeah. I, think, I feel like I don't make that mistake once a month anymore. Maybe it's once every yeah. other month. Or maybe yeah. once a quarter gaff. I'd say that's accurate. I don't remember actually this season so far. You said yeah, it's, it's been a while. So. Okay, big yeah. uh, Big Ten in general guy. <laughs> sure. Well, it's crazy to think. Like it's it's hard to even think beyond this next week with you know the whole situation with schools opening up and you know we're it looks like we're probably at least going to get some college football. Uh, but to think about you know, Thanksgiving <laughs> and, and the day after Thanksgiving, yeah. it's just like, it's blowing my mind, man. Well, so again, I, like I said before the, the interview, I really think a new schedule is going to come out like probably the moment you push publish on this thing. Yeah. But, um, the, like Teddy Greenstein from the uh, Chicago Tribune just was tweeting out tonight. This is Monday evening that while they don't have a schedule yet, it sounds like they will at least try and do the divisional games in the middle of the season. That way they have some more flexibility to move things around if they need to, but then they can also make sure students are all back on campus safely. Um, yeah. As I guess there'd been some, there'd been a lot of chatter about doing divisional games like right up front. And I think maybe the PAC 12 and maybe even the big 12 was going to try and maybe play some week zero games just to get started. But um, apparently Bill Moose has been recommending this mid season divisional structure. And so that's what they're going to do. 
Or well, yeah. that's what yeah, he's reporting right, they're right. gonna do. Yeah. <laughs> so stay he's tuned. He's a smart guy. I think I think he's uh got his finger on the pulse. He knows what's up. Teddy knows. Now I'm getting on Twitter to see if there's anything newer to report. <laughs> Well, while you're doing that, Justin, I'm going to share a little bit from our friend Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Um, the last time that we checked in with Monty, uh, he had this to share with us. Now, bear in mind, this is a couple weeks ago, so uh, the situation's always in flux, but this is what he had to say. He wrote, while buyer activity continues to be robust, seller activity continues to be a bit softer with fewer homes being listed for sale than a year ago. Many housing experts believe sellers remain reluctant to list their homes due to continued concerns over COVID-19, which was beginning to see a resurgence in June. Until sellers regain confidence, housing inventory will continue to be constrained during what's expected to be an active summer selling season. And he also wrote, I'll say that in the last week or two, listings in the two hundred dollars to $250,000 range seem to have increased some. So, um, Yeah. If you are one of those sellers who's not quite sure if you want to get started or if you are a potential buyer who wants to get the pick of the litter, I'd say Monty's your man. Reach out. Absolutely. Do it. <laughs> oh, now you're being the aggressive salesman. We got Someone's got to do the bad cop here. <laughs> and again, his phone number is 402-770-3356. Or you can email him, as we say each week, at monty.rudy at prglincoln.com. Mike, uh, I'm looking at our notes here, and you've pulled in a delicious-looking picture of some ground bison burgers. Wow. Yeah. You want to tell our listeners what I'm salivating over right now? Mm Mm-hmm. So here's the thing, folks. If you – I say this – I feel like I say this at least once every two, three weeks. If you're not following Central Nebraska Buffalo on social media, it's time to get started because they have moved into kind of, you know, starting to share some recipe ideas for what you can do with their, their bison. Most recently, they posted a photo of some bison burgers, which is ground bison, bacon, egg, and cheddar cheese. And if you look at that, I think that they left out the fact that there's some macaroni on them burgers there. It looks it's like, like a it. mac and cheese and egg and bacon. Like it is a protein explosion. I feel like that would be, you eat that for breakfast and like you could just, I would roll through lunch and it would be like three o'clock and I'd be like, shoot, I should probably <laughs> eat a little something. Yeah. I was also thinking it's the kind of meal you eat uh, you know, and you go right to work, you know, you, you get stuff done after yeah. eating something like that. <laughs> I so, might also eat that the night before a long run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's good stuff, folks. Um, as always, you can head over to cnbuffalo.com and order some up for yourself. And also, uh, what is it? We're, we're looking at Omaha, Lincoln, York, Grand Island, all have local options to go buy some central Nebraska Buffalo as well. Save yourself the shipping handling. Get them in person. There you go. So, Justin, is there any news from Twitter? I don't see anything, but I do want to say, we haven't plugged this for a while. If you have enjoyed our 12-game preview series, if you've been listening for a long time or you just discovered us this summer and you haven't left us a review, we haven't asked for this for a while, we'd really appreciate it if you could give us some sort of review, whether that's on... Apple Podcasts or 
I don't know, can you do Spotify reviews, Google, wherever, whatever podcast app you're listening to, if you want to give us a five-star review um, and even throw in some nice comments, that really helps people find us. We're gearing up for football season here. And uh, usually around this time of year, um, people start to Google Husker podcasts. And uh, so the more, the more reviews we can get, the more ratings we can get, and especially the more recent ones, that really helps people find mm-hmm. us. So if you, uh, again, if you're a long-time listener and haven't done it yet, uh, we haven't asked for a while. Um, if you're still listening through this, this point of the episode, like we know you care. <laughs> so please take a moment, give us a review. Yeah. I mean, come on, listen, what, what is it? We're, we're into year six of this podcast. How many times have we asked you to pay for this podcast? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Mike. Never. We've never asked for a red cent from our <laughs> listeners. So this is how you can pay us back. Get on your app and just click the five-star button. And, like, you can even make up a lie. You can say, like, (laughs) these guys are the most knowledgeable people on the Internet. And obviously that's not true. I mean, Justin knows a lot about Nebraska football. I'm just an idiot who loves Nebraska football, just like, you know, I'm sure plenty of you. I'm not calling you idiots. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, I'm the everyman in the situation. But what we need to have happen here is every man, woman, and child needs to get on their podcast app and leave us a review. A good you are, one. You are full of passion tonight, Michael. <sighs> well, you know, we haven't talked about reviews in a while. So, you know, it needs to happen. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we got it all out there. I don't think there – is there anything left? Any, like, burning deep – seated issue that you want to speak to right now i mean like other than like digestive issues no wear a mask (laughs) yes every week wear a mask folks if you want college football this fall wear a mask and encourage your friends and family to do so as well javon mcquitty is going to south dakota that's cool he just posted a picture of himself wearing a south dakota jersey Hmm. good for him yeah well hey you know all the best I'm going to tweet, congrats, Javon. And that's how you tweet at players, folks. Well, Justin, what are we doing next week? I mean, we're gearing up for the season now. Yeah, I, you know, normally we'd be talking about fall camp, I think. Um, I don't know. I think next week we'll probably be talking about a new schedule. Mm-hmm. So, folks, if you have any ideas or any burning questions – uh, we're opening up the mailbag. Did you know we have a mailbag? It's called huskerpod at gmail.com. Well, I think we should probably stop now. I think we're there, man. I've All been right. waiting for you to say something. I just been cut. I just keep going. I keep feeding you until I get something. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of lost my focus. I think <laughs> you're fine. Hey, Justin, guess what? What? Go big red. Go big red. Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska. Nebraska.